0: So yesterday I was like, Netflix on, Mm. pants off, (laughs) (laughs) and we watched the entire season of Voltron Season 8. You're listening to Those Dramginsers, with your hosts, John and Zach.
1: I'm John, and I'm Zach. and welcome to Those Dram where we drink bourbon and talk about it. So this is our special Christmas Eve episode. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas everyone. And all we that. We're we are actually at and at we are mm-hmm. actually at PA Libations, Pennsylvania Libations. I always shorten it, but it's Pennsylvania Libations. We're here with Christian who is the the owner, owner and CEO. Is that the Owner and
2: CEO and sole
1: owner. Sole owner of Pennsylvania Libations. Should, and, would it be inappropriate to say guru? Guru? Sure. Um, And we're actually here with him to do an interview for this fun Christmas Eve episode. And uh, Christian's going to talk about his background and the store and all that fun jazz. We actually have a very good... We actually recorded a different episode before this that's going to come out in two weeks that is fantastic, and that's all I'm going to say about it. So, Christian... Hold on to your butts. Christian Simmons, right?
2: Yes. Christian
1: Simmons... Welcome to those drum answers.
2: Thank you, thank you.
1: So go ahead and talk about talk
2: about yourself, talk please. About, about me <laughs> Tell so. us about yourself. All right. So um, I'm a Pisces. I'm six foot one. <laughs> <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. My uh, birthday is on Pi Day, and same as oh, I as a math teacher, I, I appreciate. It. Yeah, right. thank you, thank you. Three point one four all day long, and so. Um, So I own Pennsylvania Libations. It is uh, the DBA of C.G. Simmons, LLC, so that I can maybe someday pass on this LLC to my son, Roman David Simmons. Um, I got that whole idea from my family's uh, beginning of being an entrepreneurship of business as a family style business, which is W.N. Toscano Agency, which is my family's insurance brokerage firm that so they've been around for going on 50 years. Um, but when my grandfather that started that business and retired after about 25 or 30 years, he bought a small antique shop slash nursery slash fishing supply store in Ligonier, where I'm from. So since I was eight years old, I worked with him. And um, he was pretty much like my father figure growing up. He's the kind of guy that when I did yard work at his place, he would give me a bologna sandwich at lunch and iced coffee to keep me going. <laughs> and But he also taught me the basis of a relationship, which was uh, building a relationship to build profit through the through the premise of buy something for a penny, sell it for a penny because eventually you can ask two pennies for that product because they're not buying the product anymore they're buying you. So that's been something that's been like drilled into my system since I was a kid and my work ethic and everything like that. So by the time I was 16 from the time I started working for him at that shop at eight I was opening and closing the store by myself. I was bartering, bartering with antique connoisseurs and all those things um and like you know selling plants and fishing supplies and upselling people from regular mealworms or maggots to butterworms that were (laughs) you know three times the price but you got half as much and like so i fell in love with the whole process of sales and i fell in love with the process of just business right and and so that was like the premise And I never obviously knew at that time in my life what I would become or what I would actually be my true, true passion. So moving forward, you know, let's see, 20 years or so. Well, actually more like 12 years. I moved to Bend, Oregon when I was 19 to go out there to snowboard, fall in love with life and figure out things on my own. And for a small amount of time out there, I worked for Deschutes Brewery in their downtown pub as a fry cook. And way before, this was 2000, 2001. And so I fell in love with craft beer and even before that, when in high school, I was the kid always drinking like, you know, harp or, you know, Killian's Red or Yingling. So none of the people at those parties would drink my beer. They would always go for the like, you know, whatever Bud Light or whatever. So I never had to worry about people stealing my beer. So it was always the fact that I had a fire taste for fire things and was willing to pay more for it. So that was also a development in my life that I knew that would, I didn't know that would ever kind of get to the point of where I'm in. I am now, which is quality over quantity. And that was actually the premise of my brewery that I own in La Trobe, which I own a brewery, 49% of Four Seasons Brewing Company. Um, I founded it uh, with my business partner, ran operated it, got it going after about 22 months, operated it, and did all things sales, communications, PR, social media, deliveries. I did all that. And I also brewed with him for the first 100 batches. Um, then we knocked heads. Um, he saw a different path for the brewery than, and that included, actually did not include me um, because of the way we set up our pro- our paperwork through LegalZoom, which I would never, ever admit, like never want anybody to ever do if they're going to have a business partner. We didn't have any bylaws really written out. We didn't have any shareholder agreement at all. We didn't have any operational agreement and he was able to force me out. And But it was also a blessing in disguise because... What happened was about two months later, I was up north in Allegheny Forest, hanging out with some family friends, hiking, and that family friend that was a part of my family's insurance company told me about CJ Spirits out of Kane, PA. I went and visited them, told them my sob story, you know, and they're like, well, why don't you just sell our spirits in Pittsburgh and where you're from and use the relationships that you built of the 120 bars that you sold your beer to? I'm like, sure. They gave me their rye vodka, their corn vodka that they made both themselves, and then their gin, which their gin became like the fan favorite. It was like it was a replacement of Hendrix at like seven dollars cheaper bottle without giving any deals at all. So that was an easy sell um, in a sense. So I utilized all my relationships once again, building relationships to build profit, and then eventually I got I squeezed out Westmoreland County and had to move start moving into Pittsburgh. Um, and I did what I could do, you know, selling spirits in Pittsburgh. I thought I was supposed to wear a three piece suit and do the whole, you know, damn thing, right? But then I originally was eventually figured out that I needed to be the people. I am the people. I am who I am, just be myself. And started wearing, you know, my steel boots that all through my 20s I wore, working heavy highway road construction and all that other stuff, I wore my hoodies just like distillers do and brewers do and stuff like that. And became more the people. And that slowly, in the beginning of that, that was uh, March of 2015 um, when I got my LLC going for CG Simmons LLC. That's when I signed up um, C.J. Spirits. And then that next two months, I signed on Pittsburgh Winery and uh, Collinette Sellers Winery. So I had one distillery, two wineries. Um, and then people in Pittsburgh were like, you need to have some brown spirits. Like, like you can only go this far. And I've been told a million times over that you're going to get destroyed by the big man. Like, you're going to, this is never going to work. Da, 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 da. Like, and that also being defiant as I may be pushed me to want to do more and more and more and prove people wrong. So, that early fall of 2015, I wrote a letter to the PLCB with a little bit of guidance for calling out sellers owner Joel Wolf, who was in the wine industry for 35 years at that time, 34 years, now 37, who has a distillery, as we learned before, with his four-grain bourbon. And uh, so the thought process would be um, that he had his wine in a store up off Camp Horn Road called Castle Wines, had five wineries in one location. And I was like, well, why can't we do that with spirits? And he's like, well, there's nothing written in the regulations because the laws haven't been written yet. And... So it just so happens in the early part of 2016, um, they changed those laws. But prior to that, I wrote a letter to the PLCB. I got literally the letter back from the PLCB on Christmas Eve of 2015, the same week that I was signing on Thistle Finch Distillery on my portfolio. Um, I found them through Instagram, uh, how I found a lot of my distilleries just because I would just look up distillery, PA distillery or whatever, because mm-hmm. they all mm-hmm. use hashtags and so forth and so yeah. on. So moving forward, um, I got the letter back, and they didn't say that my idea was a guarantee. They didn't say anything other than that it was plausible. Um, so we went through the whole, the whole process from there out. It was my process, and that process was to say as soon as I – well, more or less, I needed more brands. Um, I couldn't just open up a store like I do now with 16 distilleries without creating relationships to eventually build profit. So I, right off the bat, I brought Thistle Finch into Pittsburgh, went from four accounts in Pittsburgh to 47, and went less than seven weeks with just their black pepper coffee or black pepper whiskey and their black coffee whiskey. They didn't have their two-year straight rye yet. And then very soon thereafter, I signed on Big Spring Spirits. I signed on Hidden Steel Spirits. I signed on, who else is in here that I signed on? Philadelphia to Stealing. I was kind of repping for them. Client sellers started making spirits. And the the whole process would be is that I'd go to the same 60 or 80 restaurants that I sold and I'd bring them a new brand every like six weeks, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I had about seven, eight distilleries. Most of the big names that are in my store, like Maggie's Farm, Blair, and Blair, Philadelphia Distilling, they, you know, they weren't really like, you know, they didn't really see what I was doing as something that they needed at the time. They're like, we're small. We can do it ourselves. I'm like, cool. So we... I had to take the plunge, per se, because in order to be able to file any paperwork for the store to be uh, a concept, I had to have a lease signed. Just like a brewery, you can't you can't file for your manufacturing license without a lease. Mm. So a lot of people have to hopefully have a lease if they're smart enough to have it in place where that if they don't get licensed for whatever reason, if the building is like not code or like the, the ADA isn't right or whatever, they can get out of their lease and they can go find another building. Right and restart all over again. So I went through the gauntlet. You could say that um, I learned a lot about real estate. I learned a lot about leases, and I self-taught a lot to the point now where I don't really use brokers anymore because I just—they're just another person that wants more money out of your pocket, and they're not normally—they're not out there for your best intentions. Most of them are. I'm not saying real estate brokers are bad for commercial buildings, but I would highly recommend learning it yourself and understand yourself. And if you have to spend the money with a good lawyer and have them educate you, spend $1,000, go sit down on a couple meetings and really truly learn what you're trying to get yourself into because it is a lifeline. And you're like, oh, I can break a lease. It's not a big deal. No, they'll get you. They'll get the banks involved. They'll get the IRS involved and so forth and so on. So after about four or five failed lease agreements and – Um, brokering deals, Um, I was lucky enough to find the space that I'm in now at 2103 Penn Avenue in the heart of the Strip District, and I signed this lease in November of 2016. Once we got the building, we started doing the build-out. My stepfather and I, we did all the shelving. We did all everything that you could do. all of ourselves, and it took a while. This place had Cafe Raymonds in it for like eight years prior to us, and before that was uh, Richard chance of the Chance Group, like Butcher and Rye. Mm-hmm. He had like a small like bakery or deli or something in here that Cafe Raymonds took over, and I think I believe that's when Richard DeChance went and started eating potatoes. Okay, um, with a couple of his other business partners. Um, so when Cafe Raymonds moved down the street, beautiful big new place, best sandwiches in Pittsburgh. Um, I came in here and scraped grease and painted and all the built, all the things you can imagine, right? And we had a different couple, couple different concepts, but the licensing started in January of 2017. And we waited and waited and waited. In April 19th of 2017, we got denied. Because originally, I was going to have wine and spears in here, not just spears like I do now. Mm. So we found out through what my liquor attorney didn't know or didn't tell me was that we had to have a second door of egress because Wine Spirits are two different businesses. And we would have had to have two separate point of sale systems, which I was fine with. But now that you see the store and the volume of people that come in here and the volume of sales that we do, it would have never worked. So them telling me that, hey, you need another doorway in the back of the space, which you guys can see that we do not have, <laughs> it was actually something It was a blessing in disguise, which – we had 12 wineries, um, three cideries, three meteries, and the rest of wineries all signed up willing to pay a premium to be in here. And that goes into how the business concept is set up was – and I'll get to that in a second. So that was April 19th. We figured out we couldn't have wineries. We decided to go all in with just distilleries. I used Big Spring Spirits even though they were like not my first client, but they used the same liquor attorney as me at Flair Yonahara. And, and so – from that point forward, we submitted only their paperwork and only them alone because we figured once we would get them approved, then we wouldn't have to worry about any other paperwork moving forward being approved because it was already guaranteed by the PLCB. Once it's sanctioned, it's sanctioned. And the difference between a federal law and a PLCB law is that a federal law, if there is no law saying that it's against the law, it's, I mean, it's not against the law. But if it's the PLCB, if, it, if there is no law written about it saying yes or no, it's against the law. So there was nothing written in legislation about a management company being able to manage facilities, But there was legislation that a sales manager agreement could manage wineries, just like how Collier and Cellars was in that place up called Castle Wines off Camp Horn Road. So we had to pretty much change everything, which only truly meant change one paragraph and a 30 section uh, uh, management company agreement written by the PLCB, one paragraph is why we got denied for the facility because normally what they would have done is like, no, the wiring doesn't work, but the distillery is good. But they're like, this doesn't work at all because you're missing one paragraph. So we, that's when we redeveloped the, the management company agreement, went from being a sales manager to a management company. We submitted it, got approved the second week in June, 2017. And then June 19th, we've opened and then, That following week, we submitted nine distilleries, management company agreements for this location. And um, so with that, two months later, we had 10 distilleries in here. Mm -hmm. And and then from that point Mm -hmm. moving forward, we've added seven more distilleries, kicked out one, actually added nine distilleries, and... One left because they had to change their manufacturing license, their LLC, because of uh, cease and desist from the the state and the federal government. Um, And then uh, the other one didn't know how to pay their bills. (laughs) So, and it's really hard not to pay your bills because how this concept works is that we are just like Walmart. We charge a shelving fee, we get a commission on the sale, and we take all the money into one escrow account. We send at the end of the month, we remit 100% of the money, the taxes, and everything back. We give them an inventory report, sales report, everything broken down through QuickBooks, everything. And then we, from that standpoint, um, they have to just push a button on QuickBooks because we tell them how much they owe us back on their commission structure. And the money sends back to us. So when you're late seven out of eight months, you obviously don't want to do business with us because we pay our payroll. We do everything we do off the commissions that we earned that flat fee that we charge for a shelving pays the rent pays the storage rent pays the insurance pays the workers comp pays the employee taxes plays the taxes on my be me and the company being 1099 we are a 1099 company we're pretty much a commission-based company we just get a guarantee by asking for a flat rate so we still are infused by the commission structure and So we are, when we come in here, none of my staff are commission-based. They're all hourly. They get tips. They make pretty good, if not great money for what they do. They've all left the bartending scene to come here. If they weren't making good enough money, they would leave and go somewhere else. But they've all stayed for the most part. And I would have to say that I'm very, very fortunate for that. So from my background, from being a brewery owner, which I still am a brewery owner, I'm still sitting on that five-year-old brewery and still haven't made a penny yet to owning the first and uh, only privately operated liquor store in the history of the state. Um, and we're, as a management company, there's a lot of other things that we can do and that we're planning on doing by managing different breweries, distilleries, and wineries, satellite-licensed areas to be an on-site premise consumption, wine, spirits, and beer, and hopefully in the potential of having our own locations um, as well whether it's a liquor license or if it's us starting our own distillery but we don't want to be a competition because we love everybody that we work with all 16 families here and but the the, the big end game for us is statewide distribution statewide um brand equity and uh really being able to take uh, that to the next level so that say five years from now when these distilleries are kicking out especially the whiskey and bourbon distilleries are kicking out Products that are amazing right now at one and two years old, three years old. Mm-hmm. Imagine what's going to happen in mm-hmm. five or ten years from now. Yeah. yeah. And us being able to have first rights mm. to those
1: products.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So how many how many uh, distilleries are you working with right now?
2: 16 distilleries. How many products are you selling in the store? Um, give or take 120.
1: That's awesome. And I love that, like you said, this is the only – one, mm-hmm. and it's right here in, in in he started it in Pittsburgh, which is just yeah. freaking fantastic, especially for us, especially for us because we're very close. We're very close. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome.
2: Yes, um, and over thirty different whiskeys and bourbons. A lot, like if you consider Ridge Runners like Apple Pie Moonshine and stuff mm-hmm. like that being a whiskey, yeah, we're over thirty different products on that level. Um, recently we have made, got contractual agreements with Maggie's Farm Rum, which is one of the most well-known brands in the state of Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. definitely Pittsburgh, um, where we are their territorial, um, you could call us their sales force, but because we're not a licensed distributor, because we don't buy and resell, everything is set at their standard, just like here in the store. Mm -hmm. We don't raise prices. They're identical to each distillery. So that's one of the huge concepts for me. And I bellow that out to people coming into the store all the time saying, we don't buy and resell. We're not upselling you. I promise. And they're like, okay, so if I go to this distillery, it's going to be the same price. I'm like, it might even be more expensive there. It's hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) But it's definitely not going to be more here.
1: That was one of my questions is that I was curious how you did the, you know, the the financial part of that. And if you did have like an upsell to its like, like for instance, I don't make it down to Washington, PA that much, um, so I'm I can't go and buy Liberty Pole at Liberty Pole Distillers. If I'm buying it, I'm coming here to you, and I'm getting it here. Mm-hmm. So that was my question: was you don't so you don't have an upsell, and since I, I can get this here for the same price, I can down there. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Awesome. And if uh, we if we did sell it for more here. It would not benefit the facility anymore. No. At all. Because we actually, there's in the contract agreement that they would actually have to give the rest of that upsell to us. Mm-hmm. So we kind of force the hand so they, they don't be like, well, we're selling for 35 You should sell for 45 because you're in Pittsburgh and we're paying a tax on the shelving fee and so forth and so on. We want to make sure that everybody's getting it equal mm-hmm. because it only hurts them if people are like, well, I'll just go get it at the state store if it even is there, or I'll go to the facility because we do have a regular customer base here now mm-hmm. and they come in here because they're like, well, it's the same as Maggie's and I'm already in the strip because the famous 130 years of heritage here mm-hmm. is built into our DNA. Mm-hmm. So like even Maggie's farm, we sell there are one or se- first or second, right? Pretty much big spring spirits because of their portfolio of being so big and wide is their number one selling product in here. Brand in here, Maggie's farm is second. And they're, pretty much just rum mm-hmm. with the coffee liqueur and their mm-hmm. famous philarinum, which has become our first or second best selling product in the store next to Big Spring Spirits Taller Ran Cream bourbon. So that's the whole concept is that it like Dana talks about and Jeremy talks about and a lot of my staff talk about, is that the product sells itself, mm-hmm. customer service is all we do. Mm-hmm. And that's what we thrive at. And so it's up to the distilleries to make the best product. Mm-hmm. And I've had corporate meetings with corporate monsters of distilleries that are, you know, worth hundreds of like thousands or millions of dollars or whatever. And the the premise was I remember one time for a distillery, they were like, So what would you what would you advise us to do more than anything? And I was like, let your distiller do whatever he wants. Let him make the best product, whatever it costs. However, he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Let him have his way. Mm-hmm. And if he's in and that, and the only reason why I said that is because he's already making good product. Mm-hmm. So I was like, don't get in his way, mm-hmm. like, right? Like, so he'd proven him. himself at yes. that point. It
0: wasn't like there was some rookie that you were taking a shot uh, on. Yeah, this guy knew his crap. Yes. Okay.
2: And so, and that's what I kind of make sure is that like. But a lot of these distillery, distillery owners are actually the people making the product. I would say. Bell and Bambini, they're making their own stuff. Colonial Seller's making their own stuff. Red Pump's making their own stuff. Thistle Farms, blah, blah blah. Everybody here is pretty much making their own stuff that actually operate everything. There aren't too many. This Big Spring Spirits, they have a Kevin Lloyd does make his stuff, but he is a head distiller who's also a professor at Penn State University, wrote his, uh, his thesis on corn pathology, and you know, and just understands grain and agriculture and stuff like that. So there's that. I'm sure Philadelphia Distilling they have their own head distiller, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so, so it goes back to you're when I'm working with all these distilleries, I'm not just like, they're just not clients. These people are blood, sweat, and tears, giving up their day jobs, training in their 401ks, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily relying just on me, but I am most likely the number one, other than Philadelphia distilling, they're international. So that's a different beast. And the same with Boyd and Blair. But most of these other distilleries, we're selling more for them than they do themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And I pride myself on being that person that helps these distilleries grow their production and all those things. And I've been told this by distilleries. That's why I say it again. So for me is that that also is a growing pain for them, but they get there. But that also means that if I want to be the same person and the person that they continue to work with, not just in a retail capacity, but in a wholesale capacity. I have to grow too, and that's what 2019 for us is going to really prove, in which we just hired a full-time sales rep, commission-based based salary, uh, bringing in Jeremy Noah, that is one of the most renowned beverage directors in the city of Pittsburgh as my director of operations. We're up to, with those two, we're up to like 11 employees, and we're a year and a half old, mm-hmm. and instead of me, you know, I'm still working seven days a week, I'm still doing whatever it takes, but instead of me taking a higher payroll, I'm Making sure everybody is taken care of and mm-hmm. stuff, and that's the family business mentality that my grandfather instilled into me. Mm-hmm. That my mom and my uncle continue to run operations after the insurance brokerage mm-hmm. firm in Greensburg. So, because you don't want these people to leave. Now, I mean, right. our no. second episode is with Dana, and you you don't want Dana to ever leave. <laughs> no, 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 no. And we and she knows that, but at the same time, she doesn't bellow it. She. Right. And um, we already consider her like our corporate trainer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like she is, if we get, she's not more so somebody that can go door to door to door like I do because she has a story to tell. I have a sales pitch mm-hmm. and I have like, but I have the facts and I have mm-hmm. the numbers. I'm like, what do they do? I can do it better. Mm-hmm. I can do it cheaper and I'll find a way. Mm-hmm. One way or another, if I got to use this, that, whatever, back and forth. And, or if I have to do promotional deals to help out, whatever. Um, but the idea is that Dana is what she, she is so good at what she does and Jeremy is so good at what he does at delegating and being a director right mm-hmm. And so then so 2019 is outside sales We're planning on bringing someone in from Erie someone in from state college and I'm hoping that Jeremy will be able to help with that program but also we're gonna be opening up satellite pubs here in Pittsburgh which we have mm-hmm. one in mind for. Already two locations in the South Side, already one downtown, and already one here in the strip. Um, we've already had major meetings with financial groups that are going to help capacitate that, that mm-hmm. ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we kind of have Pittsburgh, on lockdown in that sense, on 2019. The next goal is for me to be able to leave mm-hmm. Pittsburgh and go to Philadelphia mm-hmm. and find the perfect spot for Philly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then at that point we will have territorial rights, hopefully for most of the monster brands that we want to have across the state to give us territorial rights in the state of Pennsylvania. And then at that point I've achieved what I think would be like what my main goal is mm-hmm. to. Be Pennsylvania libations, have the entire state under our like under our portfolio, and just like the craft beer buzz, do it with spirits. There's over 90 distilleries in Pennsylvania right now, and mm-hmm. in 2012 there were seven. So I look at it when I started my distillery, or sorry, my brewery in 2000 beginning September 2013 is when we opened. Um, that we were number one hundred brewery. Right, so it's been five years, and now there's like 280 breweries, um, going from seven to over 90. Could even be over 100 distilleries by now. That bubble is on that same trend, and uh, but most of them are moonshine distilleries. Most of them are just like you know distilleries that just like you know we're making in their garage and now. They just want to be legal, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're selling at the farmers markets, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish I would have done that five <laughs> years ago because. <laughs> I would have maybe teamed up with Thornwood for Big Springs or Uh whatever and had my own brand. Yeah. But I always love the idea that what I used to do for one brewery, I'm now doing for 16 distilleries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I always wonder to myself, what happens if I never would have been forced out of my brewery and I only had one brand to take care of? Mm -hmm. Or what happens if I decided to open up my own distillery and I only had one brand to take care of? Mm -hmm. But I honestly don't think that one brand's going to be ever going to make me happy. That's mm-hmm. what why I've found myself to be like find this to be so necessary for
0: me. You are Pennsylvania's ambassador in the distillery world, is basically what you're saying. You love to be like that ambassador, you love to share what Pennsylvania
2: has to offer, yeah,
0: with anyone who's willing to listen,
2: yeah, and hopefully outside of PA soon. Um, with you know the the intentions for me is to saturate Pennsylvania with Pennsylvania, but eventually, whenever these brands are making enough products, because I, I can only grow with some of least like now vodka rum or gin distillery, they can if they have the equipment, they can go as big as they want, as fast as they want. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, it's not about creating something that's just going to fall flat. You need to like I always say, why worry about sending your product three hundred miles away? When it costs you $300 to send it 300 miles, Mm -hmm. right? When you could send it five blocks away and saturate your local community Mm -hmm. so that no matter what happens with fuel costs going up to $9 a gallon or whatever distribution or the laws changing where you can't send it outside Pennsylvania unless you pay like a 30% tax, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like – I think it's like four and a half right now. So the thought process is for me is take care of your local community. They'll Mm -hmm. take care of you when times are tough. Mm -hmm. So don't, and that's one of the disorders like, Oh, Ohio wants us to have our products. there. I'm like, Hey, one distributor that doesn't know who you are other than like meeting you once or twice and all those things. So once again, building relationships to build profit, take care of your local. Mm -hmm. It's not just about supporting local. It's about taking care of your local community so that they take care of you when times are tough or Mm -hmm. when, you know, if we have a you know another 2008, like you know what happens, people drink more probably. But that's yeah, yeah. You want them to drink you, I guess. Or if you
0: have your like 2018, you might drink more too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Times are good. So yeah. your your
0: mentality then is that you 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 are as strong as your weakest link, kind of a thing. Like you you, you can only maybe put it better this way is that you your building is only as strong as its foundation, and as long as you are locally sound that will strengthen you to branch out further but you want to make sure that that base is solid that base is secure so that inevitably with the way the business the economy just works when it starts to get tough out there it's still solid at home yeah kind
2: of well that goes along with my 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 fan like not just my family but my business my employees so not my business so much but my employees being the the base that they are Mm. the spirits that I have with the family style businesses. So I'm a family style business. Mm. A lot of these people are family style businesses. Some are a little bit more corporate. Some are a little bit more like, you know, like, you know, in the Hills and they don't know how to answer emails. Right. (laughs) So
0: carrier pigeon.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, just a Ridge runner running up the, you know, up into, you know, there's a lot of fun stories. But. <laughs> but, is so, that for another episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me is that, yeah, I can only grow like yeah, I am at a certain point. But that's what's great is that while I'm waiting for some of these distilleries to ramp up their production, like the whiskey and bourbons, I got Boyd and Blair and Maggie's Farm that entrusted me with the territory hmm. and to um, to really push their products. So we kicked the door in with their products with the rum and vodka. And then we follow it when it's the time is right with these higher end whiskeys and bourbons. Um, but we also have well lines too, right? But mm-hmm. a, so the concept is, is I have to push and pull and take and give left and right and make everybody happy, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things is this store right here fuels my want of growth, right? So distilleries like Liberty Pool, they're about to ramp up their production times four, They just got two massive grain silos out back, right? Mm -hmm, So they can make mm -hmm. more room for their barrels down in the basement. So, and they were able to get a great loan or however they got their money to be able to ramp up their massive amount of production. But then that in my mind says what happens in five years from now or three years from now, even when their barrels start kicking out some great product and I better be ready for it. Mm -hmm. So that thought process there with them, even with stolen wolf and with even some big springs or barrel 21 or whatever thought process is that I need to do what I have to do to get myself in that site. So I have a sales rep in Erie state college, Scranton, Lancaster, Harrisburg, Philly, Bristol, four, but four or five in Pittsburgh and six in Philly. Like, and we have 20 reps and we have the distribution hubs. We have a store like this here, one in State College, one in Philly, for distribution aspects. And then as soon as like like kind of like it all unfolds, in a sense of whether it's the products are ready and the prices are right that we can really kind of take over all mainstream brands, or the PLCB decides to change the laws and go privatized, where they're now letting Costco, Sam's Club, Sheets, and Giant Eagles buy licenses to sell liquor. Mm. So at that point in hand is that most of these distilleries will be able to handle not just selling bottles or boxes, but they're selling pallets. Mm -hmm. And guess who has distribution rights in the entire state of Pennsylvania? Me. (laughs) So that is my thought process. But the thing is, is that I just don't want to demand it. I want to earn it. Mm -hmm, And that's numero uno. Mm -hmm, Earn what I always say, you get to keep what you earn. And that's the commission-based mentality of running a business. And so doing the legwork, doing all the shit nobody else wants to do, I'm willing to do it. And, uh, and luckily I have a beautiful girlfriend that supports me and
1: (laughs) she's standing right here. (laughs) He's not a stupid man. Well, actually
2: these guys were about to cry and I had to set the mode a little bit different. (laughs) So yeah, but yeah, but the thing is, it's not about monopoly. It's about creating um, a family business because like what's great like Liberty Pool they're they got the 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 father and the wife but they have their two sons Rob and Kevin mm-hmm. they're in their 20s late 20s mm-hmm. those guys are going to be making whiskey for 60 more years yeah. they're going to be the next dick stool right mm-hmm. as Dana would say in your next episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll definitely listen to that because it's really funny but, you
0: guys will know what he's talking about <laughs>
2: So the, the, the idea is, is that I want to be, I'm 36, you know, and I want to be able to in 30, 40, 50 years from now, be able to work with these guys and mm-hmm. really be able to be a huge part of their success. Not and you know, and it eventually will be outside of PA. Eventually mm-hmm. people will be seeking their products in Cali and New Mexico and Oregon and like, you know, in Kentucky, even definitely in Kentucky. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because whenever they want to get a true taste of true American bourbon and they realize that it bases itself here in Western PA, they don't really <laughs> want to come up here and visit. How many people did I just piss on? <laughs> We're gonna have to put well, and, the E on this. Episode.
1: Yeah, we're gonna, we just might get rid of the E for the entire show. Uh, well, and that's something that we said we wanted to do with this show. Is yes, the show is based off of our journey for whiskey, mm-hmm. whether whether that be knowledge or tasting notes and stuff like that. Is that PA has a ridiculously rich history in the whiskey bourbon era, mm-hmm. and We want to promote that because, as I said before, every other whiskey podcast I listen to is from Kentucky Mm -hmm. and Tennessee, Mm -hmm. where it's saturated down there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing up here. We're it. And Uh, we, as small as we are right now, we want to promote the hell out of PA, whiskeys, bourbons, and distilleries in general, because... As you say, how many how many in PA would you say again? Over ninety. Yeah. Come on, man. Boom.
0: <laughs> well I mean just just to give you an example, guys, of just kind of what the mentality outside of Pennsylvania is when it comes to whiskey and bourbon. There's there's a um there's an actor that I really enjoy and I'm not gonna name names right now. But he didn't we already name him? We named him before. <laughs> but but he had come to Pittsburgh. And he went to Butcher in the Rye, and he said in his Instagram page, he gave Pittsburgh a shout-out, but he was like, who would have thought there's a, a whiskey bar in the middle of Pittsburgh? Which is just indicative of the general mentality that PA is not really a whiskey scene, when the reality of the situation is, it's, it's the juice. origin of the whiskey scene. <laughs> so... What are you waiting
2: for? And my cells Get your ass that. down here is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah my cells will prove that. <laughs> See, like you'd be so, so many. We've only had a couple people walk out of here and be like, it's not made in Kentucky, F-U-M-L, mm-hmm. right? And we've literally had a couple like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's not bourbon. I'm like, well, since 1982, bourbon can be made anywhere in America. Mm-hmm. It has to be 51% corn made in a new American oak barrel, Char 3, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. So we actually have 100% corn whiskey, Made by Big Spring Spirits, it's technically a bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's aged for two years, char three, and it's more than 51% corn because it's 100% corn. Mm-hmm. So stop telling us that we don't make bourbon up here. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people, when I find myself a lot, I found the perfect way. They're like, oh, why does it say bourbon? Why does it say whiskey on it? And I'm like, and they're like, is that because it's not made in Kentucky? And I'm like, so what I do is the premise is when I say to people, be like, well... So this is bourbon, and since 1982, it can be made anywhere in the country. I beat them to the punch before they even open up their like their comments, mm-hmm. which I'm open. But the thing is, once they say that, you can't go back and tell them that they're wrong because mm-hmm. that's not what customer service is. You just be like, okay, let me have you bring you back and educate you with Dana. <laughs> if you Dana will tell, <laughs> we'll tell you you're yeah. wrong, <laughs> but she'll do it in such a nicer way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm mean about it because I'm she not. I'm more of the business mentality of it. Mm-hmm. I'm more, but the thing is that I bleed facts, just like Dana does, right? Or just like Danielle or Alyssa or Zach or Anthony or Becky. You know, we got a great team back here.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't mean to just single out Dana. It's just because we just hung out with Dana. That's why yes. we're singing out. Yeah, so yeah. but well, when you hear that, she the just next, literally yeah. walked
0: us through
1: they'll
2: find out they'll find weeks. out
0: <laughs> I wasn't going to say what we were just walked through but lord only knows
2: <laughs> I can only say is that you're going to want to visit here to meet Dana after the next clip. maybe me but I'm not that cool and she's way cooler
1: <laughs> so so if someone hasn't been here right you're in the strip district mm-hmm. what was the address again can you give the ad-
2: uh, it's uh, 2103 Penn Avenue okay. it's in the heart of the strip um, Penmax right down the street, which is famously known. Luke Woolley's Alaskan Grills right down the street. Mm-hmm. We have a medical marijuana dispensary across the street, too. Um, beer hives right up the street (laughs) and then we have yinzers which is famously known for all their stiller gear and all that Mm -hmm. stuff so we've actually tried to market ourselves as the coolest block in pittsburgh Mm -hmm. because we got all the things i just said plus a candy store Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, and arts and crafts Mm -hmm. and whatnot so literally 21st and penn in the heart of the strip
1: so if someone's never been here before wait they know where to find you now what can they expect out of walking in here versus walking in a state store? Free samples of everything in the store.
0: I can test.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's why I asked that yeah. question. Yeah, because <laughs>
2: literally when, on a Saturday, because it makes sense. A lot of people walk by. They have no idea what's going on. And so I would say 95% of people that walk in here are like, this isn't a state store or do you guys have wine? Right? And so – We actually have somebody stand out on the sidewalk and talk to people, educate them and say, hey, free samples inside um, and so forth and so on. So um, that's one of the big things. So when they come in, to educate. We have a long wall that has every product by distillery. Then we have one collective wall that has everything by spirit. And then we have the tasting bar, which has every bottle that's in the store available for free samples so we don't go and pour anything more than a sip of every different serving. We don't get people drunk here. We don't charge for those. We do accept cash tips, but then we also accept tips on the point sale system when people clock out to pay a little bit of respect to our bartenders, which mm. they absolutely deserve mm-hmm. and if they don't it's because they didn't do their job but they do their job all day every day mm-hmm. and so um during this time i'm like i'm i'm just good thing i got decent sleep last night because you know my girlfriend fed me great chinese and all that other stuff like was it chinese Thai.
1: Thai
2: food. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, where I, from <laughs>
0: shady side Sun Sun
1: on oh okay i was gonna say was it noodlehead because i no, love head
2: Okay. Shout out well, to Noodlehead. Yeah, Noodlehead. Noodlehead. It's BYOB, so stop here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? Tie it all in. Tie it all in, man. Was that a s- pun? Supporting. <laughs> I love punnies so, um, but, It's the Pittsburgh circle so, of life, right? Yeah, it is. Right? It is. And, uh, yeah, so full education. We talk about everything. We have flyers. We have cocktail cards, so you have things to take home with you. We have all the small bottles, the shorty bottles, the bottles that you can take in an airplane with you. Bottles that you can take in the sporting events because they don't go off of metal detectors. <laughs> um, and then we also have uh, filtered water.
0: <laughs> you know, you guys should put a big sign in your window that says our
2: bottles won't go off of metal detectors.
0: <laughs> no. <we're... laughs>
2: <laughs> but all in all, like we have a lot of fun here. And we can we can obviously attest to that by just our conversations mm-hmm. and the way we talk. Mm-hmm. But really, if, at the same time, we we abide all rules. We definitely come with a, a proper ID because we will card you twice: once at the tasting bar and once at the checkup. And um, even if you look sixty-five or eighty, we will still card you because we demand a proper ID to be able to be served here. We don't mm-hmm. care how old you look, mm-hmm. and we've actually upset a lot of people over that. And um, but. You know, if you don't have a driver's license, they will work with you if you're obviously 80 years old. But other than that, um, don't give my patrons or my my staff a hard time over it, please. But that's one of the things that we we have here and. And so, because we want to just make sure it's everybody's safe and mm-hmm. happy. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you love bourbon or what you think that you're a bourbon drinker, but now you're obviously a rye drinker. What? <laughs> um, we'll do that. And for the next episode. And, and that's the thing is all I've you have to do. gone from is... zero
0: to two in one night, ladies and gentlemen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, other than that, I mean, we, we got some shirts and we got some fun things from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. Libations gear, but... We give that stuff more away than we sell um, just because we like people wearing our gear. I mm-hmm. wish you guys will both be going out here with something. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Right. Cheers, sir. Yeah, no problem. So uh, where can uh, – if they can't get here, where can they find you online? Um, it's Pennsylvania Libations. Simple. Um, you can Google us. There's tons of photos. We're on Instagram as Pennsylvania Libations. We're on Facebook as Pennsylvania Libations. We're on Twitter as pen libations, but we don't really tweet too much. We feel mm-hmm. that um, Twitter's dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> our
1: Twitter is mostly our Instagram, like, also copied. Yes, exactly. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Instagram is our primary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, the only real thing that I like Twitter about is uh, seeing what Bob Batch Jr. has to say because he works for the Post Gazette and he always writes about breweries, distilleries, and wineries. He is, like, the go-to. He's the first person that ever wrote about Four Seasons Brewing Company uh, the brewery that I own, and um, and then he's also right wrote has written a lot of really good stories about a lot of really good people mm-hmm. starting small businesses mm-hmm. and giving all they have into mm-hmm. them. Um, so I absolutely recommend following him on Twitter. And, you, and say it again, uh, Bob Batz Jr. B A T Z, Jr. He works for the Post-Gazette and he is like the go-to guy for libations in the Western PA Well, we're going to add that to ours. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And Christian, can you say again what your Instagram handle is?
2: It's Penn, P-E-N-N, libations.
1: Cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you again for uh, the... Actual, we came for one episode and we talked for two. So, yeah. thank you for for filling up. Ain't nothing up. wrong with that. <laughs> wow. And we will definitely uh, be frequent flyers of this place, also as as patrons. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, Christian and Dana are going to be definite, yeah, reoccurring guest hosts on Certainly.
0: the show. <laughs> Something that I thought was really cool, and you guys get, will get to find out more about this in episode two. So, y'all have to wait. Um but is that when we came in here John talked about how if you go to a state store and they say can you help you can I help you your answer is probably no <laughs> if you come into PA libations and they say can we help you if you're smart they'll say yes yes
1: no matter why you came in here because they you will talk help to you. one of the, one of these people behind the
2: bar yep and I got a really good CPA that does taxes too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other questions, for Christian? That's pretty. He pretty much. Uh, I think he covered it. We got a good. Bit of,
0: yeah. Um, Christian, thank you so much. Yes, thank guys, you so for cute. taking several hours out of your evening for, <laughs> to speak with us. For letting us drink your whiskey. Yeah, appreciate that. Are,
2: She as long as my tacos are cold. <laughs> if, if, if
0: your tacos are cold we'll bring you new ones next time I will buy you a whiskey <laughs> from his store from your store <laughs> but um, no in all seriousness thank you this was, yeah, great. No, this was, tr- this was terrific really well, any appreciate time. your time
1: need many more of these so make sure and not only to to, to follow Christian Store Pennsylvania Libations on all the social medias Facebook, Twitter, Instagram make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram mm-hmm. at T.D. Yinzers on all of those mm-hmm. and then don't forget also- to check out the shop Dramit.threadless.com buy some fun gear and make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us on the, the iTunes list. We want to go up that list as, as high as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know we, we weren't drinking anything this time, but Zach, um, oh, we more than make up for it. So guys, don't you worry about that. Let's uh, let's end it the way we always end it. Zach, cheers to you. John, cheers to you. Cheers to the ends. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs>